Hello and welcome once again to the Canby Quarterly Results Podcast. I'm Gerard Starkey, the SVP of Marketing and Communications at Canby. And as ever, I'm joined by Canby CEO Christian Nyland and Canby CFO David Kenyon. And in this episode, we'll discuss Canby's Q3 2023 results, which were published on the 1st of November. But also, as, as well as those results, we'll talk about a couple of the, the key events that happened after the quarter as well, which are also part of that 1st of November release. We're recording just one week after the results on the 8th of November. Start with you, Christine, and thanks again, gents, for joining me. The main headlines of the report were the signings of, of Svenska Spell and Lion Score Group, which came just after the close of um, Q3. So, Christian, what what do these signings? What significance do they have for for Canby? Yeah, hi, Gerard. Yeah, I think this is uh, two major signings for us. I think if we start with uh, Svenska Spel, uh, I, I think especially as a Swede and being listed in Sweden, Svenska Spel is a, a massive brand in in Sweden, and I'm not talking only about the, the sports betting industry here. I mean, they have been a leading player when it comes to uh, Swedish gambling, being a monopoly for uh, most of my lifetime, but are still uh, one of the larger players on on, on sports betting. I think they have, uh, of course, uh, not uh, the same grip on the market after the regulation, but I think we can help them to become one of the leading players again. Just staying on that, was, was there anything in particular that the Svenska spell saw in Canby that, that kind of gave them the confidence that they could regain market leadership perhaps with, with Canby? Yeah, I think, I mean, they, they have obviously seen uh, their largest competitor, ATG, having a, a very strong sports book. And, and uh, I think they know they needed to get the competitive uh, again. And, and with us, I, I think. They have a, a good chance of doing that, uh, and they are also uh, in this deal uh, committed to our front-end specialist uh, shape. Uh, so they mm-hmm. have a, a great uh, opportunity to differentiate their look and feel uh, towards uh, the other established brands in the Swedish markets. Excellent. And on to live score, the other signing. You said that on results day that. You expected that they could become one of the uh, one of the larger um, operators on the Canby network in relatively short time. So, can you tell us just a little bit more about Live Score, how it is today, and and what makes you think that it could sort of grow to become even more significant in the future? Yeah, this is by quite a distance the, the largest uh, operator we have ever signed uh, with existing sports betting revenues. We have a great especially uh, market sharing in, in the UK with both the Virgin Bet brand and, and the LiveScore Bet brand. I think Virgin doesn't need uh, very much of, of a explanation what kind of brand that is. When it comes to LiveScore, I mean, uh, I have been using the LiveScore app since uh, early 2000s, and I think uh, it's, it's one of the leading uh, apps for uh, sports media, especially for following uh, scores. And I think we have roughly 50 million monthly users. So, so it's a great base to recruit new players to sports betting in, in the UK, as I said. But it's a global brand. So I think more markets to come with LiveScore. Yeah, I think all three of us on the call are regular users of the LiveScore app. And um, I know being here in the UK that it's got particular resonance with um, sports fans. So, yeah, hopefully with a... With a new and higher quality sports book, you know, that can grow even even further and wider. Also during the, the, the presentation, a bit of an unveiling of the Tesseract brand, which is a kind of a, a naming of the AI trading division you've been discussing over 
over previous quarters. So it'd be good to just hear a little bit more about that and how you see it growing over over the next few years. You know, what kind of sizable revenue streams you see that with the potential to deliver? First and foremost, uh, when we started the project that has become Tesseract, it was to make our product even better and with that the higher quality awards but most importantly a much broader and more interesting offering to uh, the players on our fully managed service having said that i mean we believe that what we have here is something that that also can be uh, more or less uh, something that you will have to have uh, as a sports betting uh, operator in the future so we believe uh, there is a, a good possibility for us to, to sell this uh, as a standalone module for, for many sports. Of course, at the moment we do only soccer, but tennis will also come uh, early next year. And from there, we will roll out more sports. So uh, looking at the trends uh, the last couple of years, it becomes uh, more and more betting on more exotic betting events uh, within matches. So I really believe that this is a new path to a future within sports betting. With branding this division Tesseract, we believe that we are giving uh, this division the possibility to uh, really take on uh, the market for modernized services to operators that doesn't need the, the full can be service, but only uh, modernized services uh, for pricing and possibly risk management. And picking up on that, in, in terms of those potential customers outside of the network, what would be the the kind of target audience really? Are we looking at sort of operators in Europe that would want to sort of take on the, the soccer product or tele- tennis products, or are we more looking at operators in the US that would see what we offer today anyway, although that will change as kind of the ability to provide maybe their non-core markets, if we can put it that way? non-core sports? I think both actually. To a large extent, it will probably be likelier for us to sell to the US uh, operators where it's a non-core service. But I believe that uh, many of the European operators will also feel that uh, they are behind uh, on on, uh, what we can deliver and, and become potential customers in the future. So we see, but we will also come with more sports. I think we are definitely targeting globally with uh, Tesseract. Excellent, exciting. That's sort of a lot about sort of what's come after the quarter. So, you know, let, let's talk about the the quarter itself, Q3 itself. What were your your key highlights? What do you look back on and, and see as the key key achievements for the quarter? Yeah, I mean, it, it has been uh, quite a busy quarter but i mean where it's not so busy is of course of course the sporting calendar it is uh, the quarter of of a year where where you have least of of a big sports going on you have september of course which also shows uh, it's quite a big part of the quarterly turnover i think september was more than 40 percent of the total turnover in q3 but soccer and american football was coming on in september but now we get uh, in fourth quarter both sports and then basketball also adding on uh, to, to a much much uh, more interesting quarter in, in q4 what happened uh, otherwise i mean uh, we had uh, extensions with atg and rank so i think that take our tally up to seven extensions uh, for uh, the year which we are mm-hmm. of course very pleased with 
we have done quite a few uh, launches and we have done rollouts uh, both retail and online with Palace. And also launched BetMGM uh, as a part of our partnership with uh, Leo Vegas uh, in, in the UK. On the product side, we've NFL starting. We, of course, have improved our product uh, even further especially on, on the bet builder side. And now I've been looking on doing the same with MBA, who, which just started. So yeah, all in all, it looks quite good. Yeah, with ABOS, we have gone live uh, with the first eSport, and we have also signed uh, uh, our first external odds customer with ABOS. And of course, on Shape, we have, except the favorite part of Svenska Spiel, they have also signed... Uh, Sunbet, uh, which is uh, one of Cambi's existing partners, of course, and the same with Bet City, where we are launching in the casino. Okay, and then coming to you, David, on the on the financial side, if we can dig into those, please. Q3 revenue is up 15%, which, you know, on the, on the face of it seems like a, a solid performance, um, particularly when you factor in the, the transition of the pen online business away from Cambi early in the quarter. So what were the main drivers behind behind that 15% growth? Thanks, Gerald. It's a pretty robust performance in the face of some strong headwinds here. The transition of Penn in, in early July, of course, a, a major factor impacting our turnover. And we also faced very high operator trading margin this time last year when there was 9.5% margin. And we delivered 8.8% this year, which is much more a regular margin for us. But, you know, of course, created a, a headwind versus last year. So in the face of that, to deliver 15% revenue growth, I think is impressive. And I point to a few things, really. It's firstly, fixed revenues built into our revenue model as part of our revenue model, give our model a certain resilience, you know, so when we can still deliver some growth, even when there's pressure on the turnover. Then there was a few one-offs that we need to mention, we, we called out in the report, but they're quite big. Firstly, there was a, a one-off license fee we recognised in one of for one of our shape deals that, that contributed 2.6 million. That was an acceleration of, of revenues that, that is non-recurring. There are other revenues in that deal, but, you know, that's a, a large chunk of it recognised up front. And as we communicated before, we're recognising a, a transition fee for the pen online deal. And so there, there was 3.4 million taken in the quarter. Those are fees which we will see in future quarters, but they will only run until July 2024. So, you know, there were some kind of those one-offs that helped us, but still, I think, a resilient performance in, in, a, in a tough quarter. If we move on to, to costs, I think we'll, we'll take next. They came in lower than previously guided, I believe. So what mm. was the, the driver behind this or the drivers behind this? And this is a sign of things to come. Should we be anticipating sort of similarly prudent cost control moving forward? Yeah, there's two two main drivers, I think, on the on the cost. One was variable staff-related salary costs, which came in at the bottom end of our expectations. And maybe more importantly, were some renegotiations of our data costs, which have led to a, a slightly lower cost base on that part of our costs. I think all in all, if I look at the year so far, we've significantly reduced our rate of cost growth in the underlying business. Okay, there's some extra costs, of course, from the businesses we've acquired. But if you look at the underlying business, it's at a much lower rate of cost growth than we've been running at historically. And I think that's my main message is that that underlying cost growth has slowed down. Mm -hmm. We're on top of the costs and we'll continue to keep this kind of reduced rate of cost growth going forward. And it's absolutely top of mind when we're when we're running the business. So, yeah, absolutely. Prudent cost control is is key for us. Okay, excellent. And I suppose looking more to the future, but um, as discussed with Christian, you know, we've been talking about the live score deals, the Svenska spell deal, the rollout of Bally's, you know, these are three big customers. And, and of course, with 
we've got our current partners growing too. But if, if we look at LiveScore and Svenska along with Bally's, when do we expect to see them really start to, to make an impact on the financial numbers and when we'll start to see that filter through? Yeah, I mean, you've got to almost take them each individually. Of course, they're three separate cases, but mm-hmm. the general theme is that we're very excited about all of them, but it's none of them are kind of an immediate contribution to our financials. 2024, you know, at some point in 24, and each one we're going to see some significant contribution. Bally's first, I think it's really a question of when they, they make their marketing push and then continue the rollout that they've already started into into new states. But really that marketing mm-hmm. push will be the, the acid test and, and, and be when, when we hopefully start seeing some material financial con- contribution. In terms of uh, Svenska Spell, I think we've mentioned the second half of next year really is when when that can contribute and actually similar story for live score as well. I think second half of the year is when we're, we're really looking forward to seeing a strong financial contribution from them and already has a, a good uh, sports betting revenue base. So yeah, really excited to see how the numbers come through for that one. And I suppose looking at the the here and now, really, you know, we're we're kind of in the early stages of, of November, so approaching the, the midpoint of Q4. So are there any kind of indicators you can give us as to how the quarter's been going so far? Yeah, I can't get into specifics, of course, but if you've been following the results, especially soccer, they've been, October was particularly punter friendly. So, you know, it's that was quite a tough month, I guess, from our perspective, but that, that's the business we're in. And um, we're relatively early in the quarter, so hopefully it'll pick up throughout the rest of the quarter. Okay, thanks, David. And finish off with you, Christian. This will be the uh, the final podcast of, of 2023. We won't be back till till February. But so just a moment for reflection, really. How, how do you kind of look back on, on the year so far, the 10 months that have, have passed, particularly when we look back to the capital markets day we had in January and, and, and plan we set out? Has it been going as according to plan, really? Or is there anything that you look back and you do slightly differently? Yeah, I would say we are very pleased with, with the development. I mean, we have signed 10 customers this year, of which three, I would say, is quite major signings for us in, in Bali, Svenska Spiel and LiveScore. We have extended seven of our existing partners, some of them very important to us. So commercially, we're very pleased. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the product side, I would say, yeah, we talked about Tesseract earlier, which I'm obviously very pleased with. We have eSports up and running. I think we have uh, really come a long way with, with uh, our bet builder product now as well. So very pleased there as well. And I think we have set up organization well for uh, the future to become more modularized. So uh, all in all, quite pleased with everything we can uh, control. On a macro level, I, I would probably have hoped that uh, we we're a little bit further along with uh, some of the uh, important new uh, territories that we talked about on the CMD, especially Brazil, that I would have hoped be be regulated by now. And, and Texas, that we had very big hopes uh, that we would have gotten a, a positive uh, decision on in, in the spring, which didn't happen. But in terms of what we can control, I think we have performed very, very well during this year. So very pleased. Okay, super. Um, and let's hope 2024 is the year of, of, of more sports betting regulation, more so than 2023. All of it there, gents. Once again, thanks for joining me on this podcast. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, this is the last one of the year. We'll be back in February for 2024, the Q4 presentation. So I hope you can join us then. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Nice.